I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, open to Matthew. Surprise, surprise, right? Matthew chapter 3. We're going to take a break from Deuteronomy. Uh, we kind of got to a point last week where we get, got, made it through the fourth commandment. And so now we're, we've kind of finished up our relationship with God, the commandments that kind of deal with our relationship with God. And we're about to start on the rest of the commandments that deal with our relationship with man. So what a time to break from that for a moment and pause, hit the pause button there and uh, focus on the advent. And so we want to focus on the advent during this season so today, Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 12 this morning, at uh, Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, and if you don't have a Bible of your own, you can grab the Pew Bible there in front of you and turn to page 758 in the Pew Bible, it's page 758 in the Pew Bible, and if you don't have a Bible of your own, please take that Pew Bible with you as our gift to you, to everybody have a copy of God's Word, so please take that and enjoy it so the focus of the second advent or the second sunday of advent is the on the topic of preparation as the olaf class lit the second advent candle it was the candle of preparation and the ladies read luke chapter 3 verses 4 through 6 which quotes several passages from isaiah which foretold of john the baptist who was the great preparer right he was the one who came to prepare the way of the Lord. And today, as followers of Jesus Christ, the church is called to continue that process and prepare the way of the Lord. And so today, that's our message. That's the message. Prepare the way of the Lord. As we look at our text today, that's what we want to do. I want each and every one of us to prepare the way of the Lord. That means to, to get ready, right? Get ready for the Lord because He is coming. He came in John's day in the first advent, and He is coming a second time. And so today, we want to prepare and get ready for His second coming. Today, we're going to look at the ministry of John the Baptist here in Matthew's Gospel. And I want us to hear and apply John's message I want us to prepare the way of the Lord. So let's, let me first read our text, and then we're going to work through paragraph by paragraph, as we often do. So if you found your place there in Matthew chapter 3, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 1, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him 
and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the, the threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Lord, we do pray that you would write its eternal truth on all our hearts. Lord, help us to see this text today and understand it. And learn how to apply it to us, Lord. Lord, as you call us, each and every one of us, to prepare the way of the Lord. For you came and are coming again. So, Lord, let us prepare the way for your coming. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. And you may be seated. Well, as Matthew tells us of John's ministry, first, he reveals here in this first paragraph, he reveals the message and the messenger. He reveals to us the message and the messenger. First, he focuses on the message because the message is the most important thing. He starts by revealing the message, which is this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As John is going out into the wilderness, he's out there around the Jordan River in the wilderness, and he is proclaiming, repent, 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 for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now we think about that, and we hear that a lot. Even in, 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 Christian, in our times, we talk as Christians, we, we talk a lot about repentance, we call people to repentance. But what does it mean to repent? What does it truly mean to repent? Is it just coming down forward at a church service and telling the preacher some things and praying a little prayer? Is that it? Is repentance receiving Jesus? Is that it? Is it is acknowledging Jesus as Lord? What is repentance? You see, we have to understand what the Bible means by that word repentance. And repentance has a couple of different meanings. It has this, a couple of different nuances to it. One, repentance means turning away or changing direction. It has this idea of changing your mind. You've heard me say this before. It's like an old military term, uh, old military term, which was about face, right? You're going, you're marching this way, and then the sergeant says about face, and you whoosh, turn and you go this way, right? 
It's turning around. It's making a change of direction. But in biblical terms, it has this idea of changing your mind. Changing your mind, your whole mindset, your whole attitude. You've been thinking one direction. Now you need to change and think of a a different direction. But it also has this idea of sorrow, of deep remorse. Right? It's not just merely changing directions. It's about having remorse, deep, deep remorse, and changing direction because of that remorse. You see, when John is calling people to repent, he is confronting them, first of all, with their sin. He is confronting them with their sin. He's calling out their sin. He's pointing them to their sin and showing them that it's their sin that has separated them from a holy and loving God. And you see, that's the key to repentance. Repentance comes when we realize the nature of our own sin. We realize the nature of our own rebellion. We begin to see ourselves as God sees us, as foul and ugly and disgusting because of our rebellion against Him. We come to understand that it's our rebellion, that sin in our lives, that has caused us to be separated from a holy and loving God. There's deep sorrow and remorse in our soul. And out of that sorrow, there's a desire to change direction. Lord, I've been following the way of this world. And it's led into sorrow and misery. And it's led me further and further and further away from you. Oh Lord, I'm sorry about that. I want to come to you. I want to turn to you. I want to follow you. I want to love you. I want to receive you. I want to be faithful to you. You see, that's repentance. And we don't need to lose sight of that. Repentance is not, well, Lord, I don't want to go to hell, so let me come say this prayer. I don't want to go to hell, so let me get my name on the roll. I don't want to go to hell, so let me be baptized. Repentance is sorrow. Lord, I am sorry that my sin disgusts you so much. I'm sorry that I broke your heart with my sin and my failure, my rebellion against you. And it's turning away from that sin and turning to God. So John calls out, repent, repent. And then he gives us the reason for repentance. For, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, John was a forerunner to Jesus. He was a forerunner to Jesus. We we hear that word kingdom, right? Kingdom, and we might think of realm, right? We think of a realm. uh, Think about the United States. The United States is a landmass, right? And it's between uh, Canada and Mexico, but it's a landmass. And we might think of a kingdom as that realm, that landmass. But in biblical terms, it doesn't focus so much on the realm as it does the rain. It's the rain. So what John is saying here is 
Repent for the rain of heaven is coming. The rain of heaven is coming. And if you are a Jew there on the Jordan River listening to John preach this message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the the rain of heaven is at hand, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about the coming Messiah, right? God's promised Messiah in the Old Testament. The one who would come in the line of David, who would sit on David's throne, who would bring salvation to God's people and judgment upon the earth, you would be thinking about the reign of heaven, the Messiah who was to come, and you'd be right. That's exactly what he was talking about. The reign, the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming, the one who would bring salvation for God's people and judgment for those who are rebelling against God. And so John says, repent, repent, for the king is coming who will bring judgment. So get ready, prepare your hearts, repent for the reign of heaven, the Messiah is coming. That's the message. And oh, what a wonderful message. It's one that we need to hear today, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more in a little bit, but we need to tell it as well. Repent, for the reign of heaven is coming. Now look at the messenger. He tells us the message, but then he goes on to show us who this messenger is, because that's important too. I mean, is this some crazy nut job out here on the river just preaching? Or or who is this guy? And he tells us who this guy is. He has quite the credentials. He says, verse 3, For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. You see, this is the prophet of God. This is God's very prophet. This is not just anybody. This is not just some man out there. This is the prophet of God. The one that God foretold in the Old Testament. When he sent Isaiah, and he told Isaiah, give my people this word. And Isaiah pro, pro, uh, told about, foretold about this guy who would come, who would prepare the way of the Lord. This is God's man. This is God's prophet whom God had told for centuries before was coming this is no ordinary man this is no ordinary man and we see that from the testimony of scripture the testimony of scripture reveals his identity as god's very prophet but not only that but it's also his the testimony of his life look there in verse four this is kind of strange to us right john wore a garment of camel's hair and let and a leather belt around his waist And his food was locust and wild honey. Now, if you go back to the Old Testament again, and you see this garment of camel's hair and this leather belt, well, that's an exact description of of, uh, Elijah back in the Old Testament. Back in uh, 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 8, tells a, a description of Elijah. And Elijah wore this same outfit. And so now his lifestyle is reflecting his calling from the Lord. Not only that... But he's a prophet by his lifestyle. We see his his prophetic nature in his lifestyle, but we also see his prophetic nature in his compulsion. Right? He's eating locust and wild honey. He's not out there preaching for profit. Here's a man who has a a compulsion to preach the Word of God, to 
prepare the way to, 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 to proclaim the message that God had given him to proclaim. I'm reminded of Jeremiah. He is a prophet like Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, Jeremiah says, If I say I will not mention him, that is, I will not mention Yahweh, or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. You see, John was a prophet of the Lord. He was God's prophet who was testified to us by Old Testament Scripture, who lived that life. He didn't care about money. He didn't care about things. He had a fire in his bones. He had a message from the Lord. And he had to preach it. He had to proclaim it. This is not some crazy out in the wilderness proclaiming some off-the-wall message. This is God's prophet proclaiming God's very word. This is not John's message. This is God's message. This is God's message. Repent. Repent. For my reign is coming. Repent. For my reign, my Messiah is coming. John was God's prophet who preached God's all-important message. Repent for God's kingdom, God's reign is at hand. So we have, John reveals here to us, or excuse me, Matthew reveals to us John's message. But then he goes on to show us the two very different responses to that message. He reveals to us the two different responses to that message. Moving on down there, we see two different responses. First of all, we see that the message was received by faith. It was received by faith. Look at verse 5 and 6. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins, right? They, they go out to the Jordan, they hear John's message, and there's a response, right? They believe John. Well, yeah, this is the one that the Old Testament talked about. This is the one that they've been telling about who's, who came to prepare the way of the Lord. They heard John. They received his message. They confessed their sins. They've been, they've been convicted by John's message. They've been convicted by their sins. They confess their sins and they are baptized with John's baptism, a baptism of repentance. They're turning their lives around. And they're turning to the coming Messiah. They're trusting in God's Messiah who was to come. They are receiving the message by faith. But then there was a very different response as well. Look at verse 7. Verse 7, he says, But when he saw, when John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come? Who warned you? Now notice here, these are very pious men. 
These, these are pious fo- folks. They're Pharisees and Sadducees. They're the most religious in Judea. The most religious people in all of Israel. That's who he's talking about here. These are the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees, they were so pious, right? They, they, they did all of these things to show how wonderful and how sinless they were. Right? They did all the things. They, they observed all the feasts. They did all of these things. They had more rules, right? They had all of God's law, but hey, they tacked on a, about 600 other laws on top of God's law, and they kept all those laws too, right? They were the most pious of the pious. And then there were the Sadducees. Those were the, the religious rulers and leaders, the high priests, the Levites. These are pious men, and they're coming out to John's baptism. Now notice, he says they came to his baptism. It doesn't say they came to be baptized. They came to John's baptism, but they're not participating. They just come out to see the spectacle, right? They, are, they were pious men. He says, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruit with repentance. Bear fruit Keeping with repentance, you see, they're pretentious. They're not only pious, but they're also pretentious. Uh, oh, they, they think they have nothing to repent over. There's no reason for them to repent. I mean, they're the most religious, right? They're the ones who, who run the ceremonies at the temple. They're the ones that people come to that ask them questions about Scripture. Oh, they do all the right things. Why should they repent? John says, you need to repent And not only do you need to repent, you need to bear fruit for repentance. Because let me just say this, repentance that doesn't really change direction is not repentance. Right? You can't, this is that easy believism that we often hear about. Oh, well, if you just believe. No, Scripture calls us to repent and believe. Repent means changing your mind, changing your direction. There's some real change in your life. You once were going that direction, now you're going this direction. There's a difference in you. No easy believism. Say a little prayer and go on with your life as as normal. No, there's repentance. There's a change of direction. And John says that of these pretentious fellows, these pretentious religious folks, you need to repent and bear fruit of repentance. They are pretentious. They don't think they have anything to repent of. Why do they, they need John's baptism? They're the most religious of the religious people. Not only were they pious and pretentious, but they were also presumptuous. Look as he goes on there. He says, and do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. You see, that not only did they think they were, they were too good to need John's baptism of repentance, they thought they were, they had it, uh, you know, their, their genes were right, right? They had the, back, the right pedigree. They had the right pedigree. We have Abraham as our father. Of course we're children of God. We're children of God by our pedigree, by our, our genealogy. John says, uh-uh. No, no, no. You're not a child of Abraham just because of your genealogy. 
as Paul would come along and, and say later on, those who are children of Abraham are, are children by faith. They're the ones who have the faith of Abraham. And that's exactly what John is saying here. Don't think because of your pedigree, you're all good and great and wonderful. You're not all that. Repent for the reign of God is at hand. And he also points out that they would be punished. They would be punished. Notice what he says there in verse 10. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit, that fruit of repentance, cut down and thrown into the fire. Listen here, Pharisees and Sadducees. Listen here, you pious, pretentious folks. The kingdom of heaven is coming. Christ Messiah is coming. Judgment is coming. Repent. Turn away from your foolishness. And turn to God. And be saved. Jesus illustrates this very thing. He illustrates these two separate responses well in Luke chapter 18 verses 9 through 14. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I, am th I thank you that I am not like other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector over here. For I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Thank you, God, that I'm so pious. Thank you, God, that I'm so wonderful and good. Thank you, God, that I'm a child of Abraham. Thank you that I don't have to bow down like this wretched tax collector over here. Thank you that I'm so wonderful. Verse 13, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying God be merciful to me a sinner Jesus says I tell you this this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Listen, folks. The proud reject the gospel. The proud say, I do not need to repent and believe because I am religious enough to save myself. They say, I do not need to repent and believe because I'm good enough to save myself. I don't, not need, I don't need to repent and believe because I have the right heritage, the right pedigree. My, my grandparents built this church. My dad was chairman of the deacons. 
I don't need to repent and believe because of my heritage. But the way of the proud is the way of destruction. But the way of the humble, the humble receive the gospel by faith. They repent. They mourn over their sin. Oh God, forgive me, a sinner. And they trust in God's saving grace. So John, or Mark, or Matthew, excuse me, get on the right person here. Matthew shows us the message and the messenger. He shows us the two responses to the message. And finally, he brings it down to this final appeal. This final appeal that we see here in the last couple of verses of our text. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Messiah's coming. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winning wing fork it is, is in his hands, and he will clean his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. You see, John says the Messiah's coming. The Messiah is coming and His ministry is very different from my own. He says, I'm simply, I'm simply a messenger. I'm simply sent here to prepare the way. But He establishes, He's the one who establishes salvation. He's the one who brings judgment. And He reveals here for us, first of all, that Messiah is the one. Messiah's complete salvation. Messiah brings complete salvation. Complete salvation. John, he baptizes with a, a water. The water of repentance. But Jesus brings complete salvation. Jesus baptized, he was, He's the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now some people see that as two different things. Holy Spirit and the fire. But most commentators seem to see it a different way. A lot of commentators see it a different way. They see this as one thing. Jesus, the Messiah, He comes and He, he baptizes with Holy Spirit and power. You see, there's a, a, a preposition there, with. And, and when you, you're looking at especially in the Greek, when there's only one preposition, and that one preposition modifies two different words, in this case it modifies Holy Spirit and fire that typically indicates that those two words go together so what does he mean that the that messiah comes to baptize us with holy spirit with the holy spirit and fire well fire is not always a bad thing in scripture it's going to be in the next verse but sometimes in scripture fire has a good connotation it has this sense of of refinement, of refinement, right? If you bring gold to the fire, you refine it. You burn out all of the crud and the dirt and the muck that's built up in there. And you, you purify it. And that's what I think Jesus is talking about here. 
or excuse me, John is talking about here, Jesus would come and he would baptize in the Holy Spirit who would be a purifying fire within the believers. Jesus brings about pure salvation, complete salvation. John offers the baptism of repentance. John offers this morning spirit. I, I feel sorry for my sin and so I want to turn away so let me baptize and be cleansed and let me follow Jesus. But that, that's an outward in kind of thing, right? You're convicted outside because you hear the message and, and then you try to change towards the inside. But it's hard to do that, isn't it? What does Jesus do? Jesus brings the Holy Spirit and He plants the Holy Spirit inside us. And the Holy Spirit begins to work in us, to convict us, to change our desires from the inside out. That's what makes Jesus different from John and all the other prophets. That's what makes Jesus different from my ministry, right? I just preach the Word. God is the one who comes in your heart and changes you from the inside out. Oh, Jesus was coming to bring complete salvation and Jesus offers that very salvation today. Dear friend, I want you to know today if you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ came in the first advent, His first coming, to live a life that you can never live, to live a life in complete obedience to His Father's will. And though He was without sin, though He never did anything that deserved death, He willingly went to Calvary's cross and He paid the penalty for your sin in your place. He died for you in your place. He was buried for you in your place. And three days later, because there was no sin found in him, he was resurrected from the dead to rule and reign from his throne in heaven at the Father's right hand. And he offers you the gift of complete salvation. If you're convicted of your sin, if you realize how your sin has separated you from God. Repent. Turn to Jesus. And He will give you the inward salvation. Giving you the gift of the Holy Spirit who will not only transform your outward actions, but He will transform your inward desires. He will change your desires so that you will... Not desire to sin, but your desire will be to live for the Lord. He complete salvation if you only trust in Him. Messiah brings complete salvation, but also notice Messiah also brings damning judgment. John here reveals Messiah's damning judgment. Hear the warning. His winnowing fork is in His hand. And He will clear the threshing floor and gather His wheat into the barn. He'll gather those who trust in Him, who've put their faith in Him. He will gather them into His heavenly barn. He will take them into His glorious kingdom. But the chaff, those who reject Him, He will burn with unquenchable fire 
unquenchable fire. Fire that never ceases. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 24 tells us a little bit about this. And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me, says the Lord. For their worms shall not die. Their fire shall not be quenched. And they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. You see, there's coming a day of judgment when Christ will bring damning judgment upon all of those who have rejected the Gospel. And He will rightly judge them according to their deeds, according to their rebellion, according to their sin. If that is you, friend, if that is you, if you have not received Jesus Christ, if you have rejected the Gospel, this is for you. Christ is coming again. He came the first time to bring salvation. The second time He's coming, He's coming to bring judgment upon the earth. And all of those who have rejected Jesus will suffer the consequences of their sin. You will suffer the consequences of your sin. And He will send it to you to eternity in a devil's hell where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. But there will be eternal misery and suffering as you receive the full penalty for your rebellion against your holy, sovereign Creator. Judgment is coming. Jesus is the Messiah who, would, who brought salvation, but it will also bring judgment in the end. Repent and believe. That's the message, right? Repent and believe in Christ. Receive His purifying Holy Spirit. Be purified from the inside out or else face the consequences of your sins against the Holy God. Today, prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make His paths straight. For us, church, as we hear this message, if you're here today and you've received this message, right? You're a faithful believer in Jesus Christ. Sometime in the, your life in the past, you have repented from your sin. You've believed in Jesus. You received the Holy Spirit in your life. You have the fruit of repentance. For you, how do we prepare the way of the Lord? By proclaiming the Gospel. We go out into the world and we proclaim sin, right? We address sin. We must confront sin. Oh, so many people today don't, don't want to confront sin. Oh, let's not talk about sin. That, that makes people uncomfortable. Right? People won't come to our church if we talk about sin. If we bring up sin, oh, they won't, they won't stick, stick around. They'll go somewhere else. Oh, no, we don't need to talk about sin. We must talk about sin. What are people going to repent from if you don't confront their sin? We must confront sin. We must say, thus saith the Lord. 
Homosexual marriage is not right. It's an abomination before God. Homosexuality is an abomination before God. Adultery is an abomination before God. Drunkenness is an abomination before God. Greed is an abomination before God. Pride, prejudice is an abomination before God. Repent or suffer the consequences of God's judgment. We must address sin. We can't be short on that. We cannot fall short on that. We must address sin. We must tell the bad news. But then we've got to give them the good. But Jesus bore the penalty of your sin. He bore the judgment in your place. Repent and believe. That's our task. As we celebrate Christmas, the first advent of Jesus, what a wonderful opportunity to address sin, to confront sin, and greet people with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful time to invite people to church to hear the good news of Jesus. Oh, church, go out and prepare the way of the Lord. Make His way straight by proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. For others, maybe you're here today or listening in, you've never trusted in Jesus. You've been living your life, but you've never put your faith in Jesus. Oh, I'm good enough. Oh, my, my sin's not that bad, right? I'm you, you can always find somebody worse off than you. I'm not that bad. Oh, but I was raised in church. Yeah, I know, all the, I know all the answers to all the Sunday school questions, right? It's always Jesus, right? I know all the answers to the questions. I don't need that. Oh, I've got the right pedigree. My parents built this church. My grandparents built this church. My parents went to church here their whole lives. Oh, oh we've always been in church. Oh, oh, my, my pedigree. No, no. No, no. You will be damned according to your own sin. And you'll only be saved by turning away from your sin and trusting in Jesus Christ. You see, the gift is free. The offer is free. Belief. Repent and believe. That's it. You don't have to get your life straight first. Just repent and believe in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. He'll do the hard work. The Holy Spirit will change your attitudes, change your desires, make you walk in a different way. Repent and believe. That's it. Trust in Jesus. He will save you. Trust in Him today. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good news that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to bring salvation to this world through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. We thank you that you have entrusted us, your church, with going out in this world and preparing his way by proclaiming the the good news of Jesus and the bad news of coming judgment. 
so that we might see others turn to Jesus and enter into your glorious kingdom. Oh Lord, if there's any today who've never trusted in Jesus, oh Lord, let today be the day that they heed the warning, they repent and believe and receive your glorious gift of salvation. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.